sunshine came softly through my window today. Could have tripped out easy, but I've changed my way. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, our fevered fans. This is another episode of The Satellite Ears. Once again, this is Shoeless Adam Danger, uh, joined by my co-host through time, James. James, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty... Uh, no complaints there. Also, our uh, our third man here, the Hogan to our outsiders, is uh, my father, Russell Hazard. Russell, how's it going? Hello, son. I'm doing fine. James, good to hear you again. Good to be here. Good to hear you, Russ. Yeah, right. We are back in the saddle, friends, and I'm glad you could join us today for our show. Today, we're going to talk about, we're going to pitch to each other and hopefully you, audience, and hopefully you, movie executive that listens to a podcast with 12 followers, <laughs> uh, we're going to pitch a Superman movie to you and, and how uh, each of us would pitch a certain movie, what we would like, maybe some actors. Maybe some things we don't really like, but, uh, but you know, I think it'll be a lot of fun. But before we get to that topic, since we last recorded, I think it's safe to say that the three of us have at least visited the comic book store once. Is that correct, fellas? Yep. Yes, that's true. I, I actually stepped in a comic book store for the first time in a long time. Oh, boy. Hopefully these uh, these shows have rekindled something in our comic book love. Uh, just for you all to listen in here, James and I, the day after we recorded, were hanging out and we had some time to kill. Uh, properly social distance. We were wearing masks. So, of course, a comic book podcast, we had to be wearing masks, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Laugh it up. Uh, so right, now we get to a local comic book establishment uh called alien worlds here in town and and growing up a little bit about alien worlds it was the coolest comic book store that there ever was it was the first comic book store to have a life-size replica of an alien from the movie aliens and uh, they even had a commercial i remember growing up and watching you know x-men or spider-man cartoons and it'd be like come on down to san pedro and go to alien worlds and i was like yeah so you knew it was a special Wednesday when uh, Russell Hazard would say, "Hey boys, do you want to go to Alien Worlds? I gotta go pay. Uh, I gotta go pay the electric bill. It's right near Alien Worlds." Like, yes, let's do it. That's and right. Just so we could go see uh, the life-size alien. Then they had a life-size predator, and uh, and to me that just kind of blew my mind, and it was really really exciting. So it's always I always like going back to visit there and, and uh, see what they had, and just kind of check out some new comic books there. And James and I were were hanging out. Uh, what did we see? I picked up a couple of comics. I picked up Archie Meets the B-52s, which I need to read, <laughs> but I'm very, very excited for. And I have to borrow that it, one. Yeah, no, it's waiting for it. I'll have to bring it by the house. Uh, another one I picked up, they, I believe they're called facsimile issues or fax issues, and they're reprints from the satellite years of all years, the early 70s DC, uh, but they're reprinted on the same kind of paper and even the same kind of advertisements that they were in the early 70s, which were really, really cool, really, really novelty. Uh, what do you think of those, James? Well, like I said, I've never bought one, but the one that you bought was the first time I saw the faci- the facsimile ones where it's meant to look exactly like an old comic, where like it's printed on that newsprint. The, 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 all the ads are the exact same ads you would see in like 1974. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, as somebody who grew up on that stuff, uh, it was super nostalgic. 
my th- my only thing with it is like how much is the actual like because you know what it was like three ninety nine right yeah like cover price wait 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 it wasn't twenty cents no <laughs> that was the cover yeah. price back then I think but but that's the thing so you can buy the faci- the facsimile ish the version of the comic but I wonder how much the actual back issue was worth you could have paid like an extra two bucks for the actual pack issue uh, although I usually they usually do them for like big events so like the first issues of things and first appearances. So those usually will usually cost you more in the back issue in the secondary market. But I mean, it's still cool. Like I said, I love looking at the old ads. That's all stuff I grew up on. Um, makes me super nostalgic. So uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. So what, what was it? What, what facsimile did you buy Adam? It was a, a secret origins. It must've been one of the old, the original like secret files and origins, which I guess they brought back in the late nineties. Uh, but this one was like the first Huntress uh, the first meeting oh, wow. of the uh, Legion of Superheroes, and I think like the first uh, Green Arrow, or I guess like Silver Age Green Arrow story, where he's uh, Oliver Queen, and then obviously he gets left on the island, and he has to teach himself how to shoot an arrow. And then I think he gets picked up by the same pirates that had like overtaken his booze cruise. Uh, so <laughs> then he takes them out and he decides to fight for justice. But it's it's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, what year is it from? Uh, I. I got a. Let me see if I have it in front of me. It I have looks like early seventies, like seventy-two. Oh, wow. Let's see. I'm looking at it right now. It says DC Superstars presents. Uh, now it does have a, an updated sticker that says four ninety-nine, ages thirteen and up. And let's see, editor, editor Julie Schwartz. So you know that's legit. Julie yeah. Schwartz. Oh yeah, I can't read. Nineteen seventy-seven. It looks like. Oh wow! Okay, uh, seventy-seven. I was. I may actually have that original issue, somewhere. But it's a good thing that you bought it because I would never be able to find it right now. It, it'd probably take me a month to find it. So uh, I'm, I'm going to have to borrow it because I can read it. Uh, I won't be able to find the original one. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you borrow that. Uh, real quick, now, I, James, I, I, yeah. if I can interrupt you real quick because the story is you talked about uh, the you know green arrow and being on the island uh so i was watching kevin smith's doc, uh, uh stand special which i'd already seen um not I, I used to be a huge kevin smith fan when his new films were coming out now i i haven't seen his new one i refuse to see anything he does unless it's like some weird horror movie like where he tries to step out of his comfort zone again maybe but anyways anything in that view askew universe i just i will never so give another penny of mine but um but, you know, he's a, he's a funny guy. I've seen him speak in person, and he's hilarious. He's just naturally a funny guy. And in stand-up, I was like, you should just stop making movies and just kind of transition into stand-up. It's re- where your real strengths lie. But he was talking about how he had never um, – Jason Mewes got him into the Arrowverse and, and that whole, you know, all the CW shows. He had never seen them until Jason Mewes had insisted that he watch it and how he got excited because – uh, it was actually the thing that made him start watching it was because Jason Mewes texted him like, hey, they're doing King Shark on this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you thought that was cool. Anybody who knows me knows uh, I do love the giant animal men characters. Uh, so I was that was a, I like that moment as well. Uh, but okay. you about- of, I'm sorry. Uh, let me just give a piece of trivia real quick. King Shark, along with Gorilla Grodd, are two villains that Adam's mother does <laughs> not like at all. <laughs> And anytime we're watching The Flash and King Shark comes up, she just rolls her eyes and looks at me like, we're watching this? I'm like, 
Yes, yes, we are. Giant shark man, what is not to love? I don't get it. I I, own, but... I keep telling her, and I yeah. But her... if, if King Shark showed up on a cryptid show, yeah, she's all down for it. She's like, <laughs> did you know, the exactly. Navajo had a word for him, and I'm like, oh no, I didn't know that, mom. But oh, he shows up with the flash. And you know, if it was the it was if it was the the t- shark man of the Florida Everglades, she'd be all about it. <laughs> yeah, we'd be watching it. But yeah, so but this really got my my comic book nerd hackles up because this is a guy that wrote green arrow the comic he wrote uh created the single dumbest character ever in onomatopoeia i still can't believe that but so he's talking about how like he's watching the show and he didn't like he kind of started watching the show and he would have to text jason Mewes because he didn't know what was going on and he had this dude it said and it's in his stand special he's like hey what's he do what's happening what's he doing on this island and like the origin of Green Arrow? How dare you, sir? You wrote the comic. I'm so upset. I was like, I'm so upset. I'm justifiably upset, but still. I mean, like, what are you doing? Like, you say you're this big comic book nerd. You don't know the origin of the guy that you wrote a comic for for like two years. Anyways, that I just had to throw that in there. Well, I think I think just to add some some context for that too, because I was listening to his uh, old podcast when it was Fatman on Batman. And before those episodes, before he started watching the CW shows, I think somebody had asked either Greg Berlanti or Andrew Kreisberg, like, hey, uh, we're doing these shows about The Flash and Green Arrow. Uh, would there ever be a chance that, like, Kevin Smith might direct them? Because he's big into comic books. And they kind of were, like, shitty and, like, no, not really. So then he heard about it, and he got his feelings hurt. And he was like, well, I've never even watched these shows. I'm not going to watch them. So he, he would talk about, like, oh, I don't, I'm not into them. He was really into, like, the Netflix Luke Cage and Daredevil and Jessica Jones. He's like, oh, those are really cool shows. And it wasn't until like the story you told about him actually getting into King Shark. He's like, they're doing this now that they buried the hatchet. And obviously now he's he directs one or two episodes of either The Flash or Supergirl a season. Exactly. And they're real tight. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what happens. He got his feelings hurt because one of the producers was like, no, we don't have any plans for him to be a part of this. And the thing is, is that he's a wonderful director. If you see Kevin Smith directed an episode, you'll know it's going to be a good one because he knows how to bring up the humor. He knows how to, uh, you know, make the story fun. And so uh, it, it's actually a great marriage, the Arrowverse and Kevin Smith, because I wish you could direct more, actually, because he actually helps the material be fun. And that's, you know, that's the thing as he even says in his stand special, he's like, he's just almost like a glorified like he, it's the show's already made. A team of writers and producers and creative people already do everything, and they sort of just he just sort of goes, okay, let's put the camera over here. Um, mm-hmm. But it's good because like it, it forces him to work professionally and and work for you know a tight you know time and with a tight script, and he can add what you know he brings, which is like I said, that good sense that good sense of comedic timing and and mm-hmm. uh, and dialogue and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I agree. Like uh, you know, he, he I think he. Maybe just focus more on those and less on your stupid VSQ movies with uh, yeah. Oh, and, and let's let's bring it full circle because I think one of the last ones he directed, he actually had Jason Mewes in it, so he actually got him cast as well. So uh, you as should a character see the, in there. You should see the stand special because there's actually a story about that, and it's actually <laughs> really funny. And it Kevin Smith actually wasn't the one that got Jason Mewes in it, and it's a funny story. You should. Uh, it's like I said, it's a you know, it's a good stand-up special, and it's funny because oh, my, my one of my best friends Casey and his wife were actually at the um, they had tickets to the next screening or the next because he was doing two shows and they were going to record both of them, 
And that was literally in between those two shows. My friend Casey and his wife were literally waiting outside. And that's when he had his heart attack and officially died. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's crazy. So, but yeah, definitely watch the Sam special. It's really cool. And like I said, if you're a nerd and you like comic books, there's a lot of that in there as well. So. Yeah, cool. that's no, we gotta definitely check it out. But I wanted to throw it to you again, James. Uh, we talked about maybe reading a couple of comic books. Anything, uh, anything stick out in your mind the past week or two that you've picked up on? I mean, I've been, I've been actually so okay. Full, full disclosure. Uh, I am an old head. I love, uh, <laughs> I love old stuff. So I've actually been rereading, and it, uh, th- there's a method to my madness I won't go into right now. But um, I've been, I've literally been rereading the original Defenders from issue one on, and I had the full run. Well, I had the full, probably the first 40, 45 issues as a kid. And they, I think it ended up going to like 130 issues. But um, uh, but I've been reading, rereading the Defenders, but I've been reading a lot of Jason Aaron stuff and like his, his Earth's Mightiest of, uh, Heroes, the Avengers, his new Avengers. Um, and, you know, there was a time when Jason Aaron was sort of like the next kind of, you know, Garth Ennis slash Warren Ellis slash he was kind of like that new exciting voice in comics, the next Brian Michael Bendis, if you will. Uh, right. But I don't, I don't really like his stuff. And I think he like I like he has cool ideas. Like the uh, there's a there's this whole subplot in the New Avengers where there was a version of the Defender Defenders or the I'm sorry the Avengers. I have Defenders on the brain. The a version of the uh, Avengers, six million years BC, like caveman <laughs> Avengers, and Odin was was actually a member of it. Um, oh God! This there was a Ghost Rider on the team who rode a giant holy <laughs> mammoth. Uh, the very first Iron Fist was a member of the team. Um, uh, Starbrand, which I love the inclusion of any characters from the uh, uh, the new universe. So and right. I was always excited. Included Starbrand into the regular Marvel continuity, but there's the original Starbrand. Um, it was really interesting, and it's a cool concept. It's just sometimes the execution, I'm not a super fan of. And sometimes, he, like, he does that thing where writers, whatever characters they create, Jeff Loeb is the single-handed worst. He's the most appalling example of this, and also just one of my least favorite comic writers of all time. Uh, Jeff Loeb, I hope you listen to this, and I hope you know I hate you. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, but like where he, the characters he creates are the ones that are like the most badass, and like they can't, you know, like nobody else can like touch them, and it's just like, dude, come on. But he, but at the same time, he does cool things. Like he includes, he brought back uh, the Squadron Supreme, which I'm a huge fan of. Right. He brought back Winter Guard, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, so he does all these cool things and he, he, he's using a uh, gorilla man and there's like, there's all these cool, like subplots. So it's, I'm, I'm with, I'm kind of, and the art team's actually usually been really solid. He does this thing where I'm like, I want to read it cause the ideas are cool and he uses cool characters, but something about his writing kind of irks me or whatever. But, um, but it's actually pretty fun. The ghost Rider and, uh, blade are members of the Avengers now, which, uh, right. for me personally, cause I like, I, I'm such a big fan of the 70s horror end of the Marvel spectrum. So I like that, but also what? But it, anyways, but it's, they're interesting and definitely worth, worth a read. Um, I've been reading Immortal Hulk, which I'm not going to go into every comic book podcast talks about Immortal Hulk, but if you're not reading it, it's bananas and everybody should read it. Um, and I've been reading a lot of the um, newer X-Men stuff um, as well. The like uh, House of X and all that stuff, but uh, right. that's been, that's, 
pretty good too. But, but yeah, I mean, I literally a lot of the stuff I've been rereading has been literally uh, old Marvel two and ones, old Marvel team ups, the original seventies defenders. Uh, so I, like I said, <laughs> I, I definitely have one foot stuck very far in the past, but it's just, that's my sweet real, spot. I can't help a it. real renaissance there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Russell Hazard? Have you been reading anything or rereading anything lately? Uh, both actually. Um, uh, after I did the last podcast with y'all, uh, I, I think I mentioned to you both afterwards that I've been a real big fan of Astro City. Uh, I've been collecting issues of Astro City since it first came out, which was about 25 years ago. Uh, the series ended last year, and I found out that there were uh, a couple of uh, graphic novels that collected the uh, the last issues of, uh, of Astro City. So I bought them online. <laughs> so uh, I I think I have about uh, about four or five uh, trade paperbacks or hardbacks that I need to read so I can finish the the series that I started 25 years ago. So and and as I said, being a completist, you want every issue. And I had been buying it since it came out, I guess, in the in the mid '90s. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And I also pulled out some um, older comics that I wanted to reread. I think uh, talking to you all last time about Identity Crisis, and I forgot the whole plot, and it was news to me when you told me what happened. I said, "Well, great, I can go back to some of my old comics, and they'll be new to me." And so I want to reread Top Ten, which I remember liking a whole lot. Uh, when I first read it, I guess it's about uh, 10, 15 years ago. It's it's Alan Moore, I think, correct? Yep. And yep. it's almost like a Hill Street blues, but all the, the police officers and detectives are all superheroes or costume beings or aliens. And it's really out there, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to rereading that. So, and I did step into a comic book store to buy some short boxes because I wanted to um, reorganize some of my comic books. And when I went, I went to a place called Heroes and Fantasies. It's on Pat Booker Road, not too yep. far from where I live. And uh, honestly, their shelves were bare. I didn't know whether it was because people are buying comic books because there's nothing else to do but read or because... Um, you know, the supply chain broke down, and so they just don't have anything to sell. So, uh, but I've always had that problem over there. Every time I go there, if I go there uh, like a day or two after the comic books are are, um, are first put there, like on Wednesday, uh, it's always like, sorry, sold out, sorry, sold out. And I felt like, why do you do this to me? You know, why, why do you tell me what I'm missing and that, you know, I should have come here a day earlier. I couldn't make it. And so you now you're just rubbing my face in it. So I think I'm going to stay content with just finishing some of the uh, the comic book um, series that I started, uh, like with Astro City, and maybe uh, look for some of the issues of some other uh, of my favorites and reread them again. Uh, when I have time. Also, um, I do want to read uh, Adam Danger. It was so nice to have uh, gone and, and bought some uh, tradebacks for me. I think there's he bought me a Justice League uh, trade paperback that has a lot of issues from the 70s when the JSA right. and JLA met together. And also, uh, uh, one of the, uh, was it the Incredible Hulk or the Thing? I think it was the Thing. Oh, that John Byrne thing from like, what, 86? Yeah, I love it. Or yeah. mid eighties, I guess it was before the Superman run, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Eighty four, eighty five. Well, and so I, if I want to read that, I actually have it literally right behind me. Um, oh, how funny! 
uh, yeah, I have a few issues right behind me, but um, yeah. So that thing you're talking about the original thing miniseries, right? Right. Like he goes back to Yancey Street and he's trying to talk the kids out of. They do kind of a backdoor origin story where he's trying to talk to the street youths of the '80s to you know stay out of crime, and he talks about his story of I think he had a brother that was trying to keep him on the straight and narrow, but then the brother. Uh, maybe, I don't know, died or was a criminal as well. And he was like, you know, this is the thing, talking to you, saying you need to get your head on straight, not get, get mixed up in any monkey business. And uh, But it was really, really good. It was some great, you know, stories about the thing, but also some fantastical plots. Like, I think there's some sort of being from ancient history that took over the thing's body because it was the most indestructible body and now he could take over the world. And, and uh, so while the thing is... I think Alicia Masters, somebody's in the hospital for some reason, and Reed is very disheveled, but it's a very, very good run, and I, I bought that in Austin, and I, I said, oh, I think my dad will like to read this, so yeah, Dad, go ahead, I, I uh, encourage you to read it. I also, I want to say, I love your frames of reference, call it something, the Hill Street Blues. Of I know. <laughs> but the thing is, it's a perfect analogy, so. Yes, it's apt. So, uh, just um, a wee bit dated, huh? Adam, I feel like I definitely need to... I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, first off, John Burns is a scumbag of a human being. Uh, I've okay. met him multiple times. He was always nice to me, but notoriously very... Not the nicest guy on Earth. But he's a... I mean, comic book genius. His Fantastic Four is probably one of the greatest single runs of any comic book in the history of comics. Or the Thing miniseries, or series, and it ended up being a limited series, that he wrote. Um, it was also the introduction of the UWF, the Unlimited Wrestling Federation. Really? Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you knew this, but there are Marvel super wrestlers, and the thing was one of them. And obviously, he's the toughest. So yes, uh, well, you should read it. Um, one of the first comics I ever bought was uh, he he fought this uh, this guy called Gator, who was uh, basically like a very killer croc type of dude. But um, loved it as a kid. But yeah, the U the U um, UCWF, the Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation. So it's basically for anybody who's superhuman, so can press at least press and lift at least one uh, ton or higher. Uh, okay. So um, Spider Man would be a cruiserweight. Then like the thing yep. would be uh, uh, maybe U.S. champion. And then maybe like, I guess you get the Hulk level would be. Well, I mean, there's all, that's you, they, the introduction of Demolition Dumpy and all sorts of interesting <laughs> characters. Um, and then the the power broker, it was a very interesting character. Yeah. So, anyways, one of my favorite moments and uh, one of my favorite little subsections in the Marvel universe, the Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation, which has kind of comes and goes, but uh, it's fun stuff. Super eighties, super great. Anyways, love it. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to start booking for them. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> well, I think we want to get down to the real reason you're listening, friends, because you want to hear how three. Average blokes would pitch a movie studio on their own Superman movie. And I guess I'll, I'll start off a little bit by kind of filling you in on some details as to why we do this. Uh, I, the three of us love film. I think that's that's pretty easy to say. I think I'm, I'm uh, a neophyte when I compare myself to James or Russell Hazard here in terms of film and what makes a good film and what constitutes a film that we like, as well as liking Superman and what kind of a character Superman is and how to tell a Superman story. Notoriously, I think a lot of uh, creative people and writers bristle at the fact of how do you tell a good Superman story? If the guy can do anything at any time, it's so hard to put him in any kind of like peril or danger or raise the stakes. You know, how do you go ahead and do that and tell a, you know, a unique story 
uh, that has consequences, I think, is, is easy, easy to say. With that, I think the other point is seeing the Superman movies that we have gotten in the past 20 years, you know, including Superman Returns and uh, Man of Steel, BVS, Justice League. I think it's easy to say, you know, we're missing a little. There's a, it leaves a lot to be desired in terms of how Superman is being portrayed and how he should be portrayed to get the most out of it, to get the most out of the story. Uh, so I think that's kind of something we kick around. And why couldn't Superman do this? Why couldn't you do this with the movie? When we go to the movies and see these films, uh, and now with the news of the uh, the Snyder Cut, which is going to be a whole other show about me fetching about it, uh, <laughs> is uh, is is going to come out on HBO Max. It's going to be, I think, four hours. We're going to get more. And I believe, too, uh, the uh, Henry Cavill has signed, I guess, a big old contract for maybe another four movies. Um, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to say, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking this meeting today. Uh, Superman hasn't been done correctly in 35 years. Here's what I'm going to do. This is what we're going to do. My sentence pitch for Superman is Citizen Kane meets Superman. Now, I've got your attention here because everyone loves the film Citizen Kane. Some people like the Magnificent Ambersons, but uh, let's, let's stick with Citizen Kane here. I... The story of Superman should be told, I believe, in a flashback. I think we should... I'm going to start off the, the movie where Doomsday has just killed Superman. You're starting at the death of Superman. You start right at the beginning there. And the idea would be that all of Metropolis has been laid to waste by Doomsday. You know, everyone's... It's kind of a... It's a huge disaster site. And you're at the, uh, the Daily Planet... And Lois is too overcome with grief, and so there's a young kind of cub reporter that has to do a story about, oh, one of our own, Clark Kent, has gone missing. Uh, we need to, you know, do some investigative journalism, and, and the reporter then has to go back to Smallville and just kind of write us, who was Clark Kent? Who was this guy that I worked next to? Who did I, who was this person that I knew? And so as he talks and meets the local people of Smallville, you realize that they all know who Clark Kent was. They all were in on it. They were all they all knew that he was Superman or he was Superboy at the time. And so as he interviews people, and not just Mom Pa Kent or Lana Lang, but just average people there in Smallville, they would just tell stories. He'd be like, uh, tell me about Clark Kent. And they would have these amazing stories about the kindness and generosity that he brought, right? There would be stories about I wanted to do a story of, you know, interviews and uh, a widower. And he says, you know, you know, when I lost my wife, Clark was there for me. And he said, oh, well, what did he do? He said, you know what, Clark, he went door to door in the, you know, the southwestern part of Kansas, just asking for donations, you know, to help to help me. And I couldn't believe the the amount of generosity that he put forward. So it would be a story about how he uses his superpowers, but for good. So and for bettering people and enriching people's lives. And that's what it is to be Superman is to use these powers, not for your own good, not for drastic peril, but to enrich other people's lives. And that he, he really cares. He truly honestly cares about his fellow man. And, uh, and so you would just kind of get these stories and you would see Superman kind of doing things, either flying to, you know, bring medicine or helping plow somebody's field real quickly. And that reminds me of some of the first movie, the Superman's first movie where you see Clark cleaning up, uh, what that football field and then racing home before all those jocks show up and they're and they're like what model T <laughs> some old jalopy that they show up in and uh, and I would I think that would tell a really good story because you get to see 
what really makes Superman Superman. And then uh, I'd like, you know, for the reporter to come back and he maybe the reporter finally smartens up to like, oh, this guy that I wrote about really tracks with what we know about Superman. And uh, and I think it would be kind of a real pleasant story. And they've got a story about the enrichment of other people's lives, doing on to others and really being gracious and really being that person that gives back. And I think that's how you really want to portray a good Superman story. Thoughts? I mean, um, do I think it would be the biggest gangbuster movie ever made? Like, do I think uh, uh, audiences would uh, line up for it? Probably not. Um, I think it's the most wholesome uh, wholesome Superman movie uh, Are you I've surprised? Ever- uh, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a very uh, who who would you who would you have play Superman? Okay, I really really want, and he may just be like a hair too old, uh, but I want Don Draper to play Superman. I always I love John Hamm. He's so skinny. Um, he would definitely need to work out. But I I think he would. In fact, I always said like if if he could, John Hamm could just get a little bit, you know, fit, more fit, a little bit bigger, he'd make a great Kingdom Come Superman. I think he'd make a great, like, I, anyways, but I love John Hamm, so I, I'd be on board with that. Because James and I, we work with some people that are actually from the state of Kansas, and when I watch these people interact with each other, I'm like, that's Superman. There's like a, a genuine interest in things, and how are you doing? What's going on? Like, a big grin and super friendly. Uh, I realize I said super friendly, but they have this ability to uh, be very genuine. And so I want like a scene where someone's like, yeah, Clark, that's, that's great. Like you would just be so boring because he would show up and be like, Hey guys, did you hear uh, Smallville a and I, they took fourth in the regional computers. Like, this is great. Like computer competition. He'd be so jazzed about it. And he'd be showing you on his like older phone. Like, see, uh, this was an article that they talked about, you know, the four F doing so well. And again, you're in Metropolis. Like who cares? This, what do you care? So people, again, would not, and that'd be part of his charm, and that'd be part of the Kurt Swan, like, I wink to the cameras, that he would just be so jazzed about the small stuff from back home, and, gee, this is really good, and always kind of have that uh, aw shucksness that I think is missing. And I think John Hamm could really bring, I think he just embodies that Midwestern, and specifically, like, uh, Missouri and Kansas, kind of like, hey, guys, how the hell are you doing? All right, and, then, you know, but he could also smile, and he's not going to be, uh, grim or morose or, or fake it or have to affect it where I think Henry Cavill has to do that sometimes where he has to really affect being like by the time you get to Justice League where he's like oh I like all that truth and justice business and I'm like alright dude like don't mm. lie to me it's it's fine whereas John Hamm I think comes in and you're like he's a swell guy what a sweet dude so that's who I have I, he might be a little old but that's what I want is I want that wholesome Midwestern smile how the hell are you well actually I think I, it. I um I hate to bring some controversy into your pitch, uh, but I may have to bring in some litigation because in in my notes, I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. Uh, One of my notes for my script was that everyone in Smallville knows he's Superboy. Clark Kent is Superboy, but it's not a big deal to them, Uh, which I'm sure I probably told you before that that's one of my takes on Superboy, and that's where you got it from. And so uh, you're stealing my intellectual property. (laughs) We but, could be like um, the Saul kinds. We could be like the Saul kinds. Okay. We'll share in the money. There, and the there we go. There we go. <laughs> but I like that. I, I love that idea 
that in a small town, everybody knows everybody, everyone knows everyone's business, but it's no big deal that everyone knows that Clark Kent is Superboy. Uh, and they don't make a big deal out of it, although they always ask Clark Kent to help at the barn raisings, like, hey, Clark, can you make it? Uh, we really need you here. Or sometimes uh, someone may stop by the Kent farm and say, by the way, I heard the little Jones girl got lost in the woods. It's getting cold and dark over there. Be nice if someone could find her soon. Uh, gotta go and just yeah. leave because they, they know that Clark will go ahead and find her and, and, and get her safe. So, yeah, I, I love that idea that, of course, everyone knows that he's Superman, but it's like that he's he's part of them. And that was one of the things I had, uh, 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 you know, an aside I, I didn't like about the films is that, you know, they kind of uh, shuddered and made Clark Kent feel like he was... Uh, you know, not part of the town that he was alien or foreign. No, he's he's part of the community, and everyone likes him, and they know he's uh, he's special, but they don't like make a big deal about it. So yeah, I, I like that part of your uh, screenplay. Well, uh, I'll uh, I'll throw it to you then, uh, Russell Hazard. Uh, what would your pitch be? Okay, my pitch is that we need to bring back Superman to his roots. Uh, to what made him so popular and endearing uh, for the first decades of his existence from 1939 on. And so my pitch is that we do a retro version, a nostalgic version. I'm calling it Superman 1999. Uh, we set Superboy in the 80s, so he's growing up in the 80s when things are kind of like a little uh, more pastoral. And like I said before, everyone knows who he is, but not doesn't make a big deal out of it. He kind of thinks that people know that he's Superboy, but he doesn't really go out and ask. So Superman comes around in the 90s. That's when his his big deal is. Uh, my One of my first things is that his parents are still alive. I, I don't like the trope that if you're uh, a superhero, you can't have living parents. Your parents must be dead. Uh, no, I think uh, the best stories about Superman are when his parents are still alive, so you can go see them, talk to them, they can give him advice. You know, uh, and I get this actually from a good source. There is a, a comic book series called Superman, A Man for All Seasons by that excellent writer Jeff Loeb, uh, and it was uh, really well done. And it, it kind of brought that in where, you know, he had that small town uh mindset and his his parents and they and the the kents grounded him which which i really liked about that four-part series um this was pre-internet so that's what i like about bringing him back in the 90s uh when newspapers were still popular and so clark kent can work in a reporter and that still means something you know um he can work um at the Daily Planet, and that's still, you know, it hasn't been gutted yet because of the internet. I mean, people still read newspapers in the 90s. So I like that. And what I like about it is that um, one of the subplots is that Clark is a good reporter. In fact, he's an investigative reporter, and he's after truth and justice. But he's just doing it as a reporter, as well as a Superman. And I also think I can bring in a Cold War theme. I haven't worked out what the, the big... Uh, conflict is, but it has to do with uh, nuclear weapons, submarines, Armageddon, and how he averts it. 
but that's that's basically what I need to uh, to work on. The other thing I think that makes the Superman movie popular is this Lois Clark and Superman triangle, uh, not Menage a Trois triangle. Oh, I want to oh I want to mm. keep this G, PG thirteen. You know, for the kids. Superman Red because Superman. Yep. Um, my, my take is that Lois originally likes Clark. And feels bad that she falls in love with Superman. So she tries to let Clark down easy and tries to be up front and say, look, you know, you're a wonderful guy. I really like you. You're, you're, you're great. But, you know, I bet this guy, he's Superman. And, I, you know, I, 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 he's just, he takes my breath away. And that, you know, Clark would say like, well, you know, I'm, un, I'm disappointed. But I know, I mean, how can I compete with Superman? And can we still be friends? And she goes, yeah, we can be friends, but just don't expect it to go any further. I just like that dynamic where where um, Clark has to compete against himself as Superman for Lois's attention. I think that brings some uh, comedy and relief into the, the whole thing. Of course, Lois feels conflicted the whole time because she sees that Clark is a good guy. But, I mean, you know, he can't fly. At the end what happens is that Clark will avert this. I mean, a uh, Superman will avert disaster. There's, there's a big action sequence. I don't want it to be too long, but he averts a nuclear annihilation and saves the day, but it's Clark Kent investigative reporter that writes up everything and wakes people up to what really happened. And he wins an award for uncovering the sinister plot. So I have my cake and eat it too. Superman saves the day, but Clark Kent grabs people's hearts and minds by writing these stories. And so, you know, his both of his alter egos uh, play an important part in my story. Now, the thing about Superman, and I want to make sure that you understand what makes him special, is that he's comfortable in his own skin. He's very sure of himself, but he's humble. And he doesn't feel like an alien. He fits right in. He just wants to help people. That's what makes Superman Superman. And the, uh, the idea I want you to get, the idea in your head, the high concept I want to give you about Superman is the cover of All-Star Superman. The first issue is just Superman sitting on a cloud. He has his arms over his knees, and it's just chilling, like, what's up? I mean, he knows he's a super powerful being. He doesn't need to do any kind of, like, big wrestling poses or anything like that he just needs to just like i know i'm superman i'm okay you know i'm just i'm just here to chill I'm, i don't want to scare you i'm just here to help you and so that sets up my movie superman 1999 your notes please well i would i would first start off by saying that russell hazard in a past life you working for a local nbc affiliate wouldn't have any kind of influence over this it seems like it's almost partially like uh biographical slash uh you know your fantasy of like yes working in the news business i made the difference with the written word and information and you can have your superpower demagogues but truth and the pen is mightier than the sword or the case as it were i don't know that may just be me that's some insight you have there adam i like it I guilty as charged because <laughs> i i know what you're i know what you're saying i see superman on his uh was it selectric typewriter <laughs> ibm's electric no it's gonna be because he's the fastest typewriter uh typist that perry white has ever seen yeah i like i, I like getting to the root of what makes superman superman and you know angsty superman just doesn't work i mean there's 
I've heard some things recently of like Superman as a, as an outsider in his own home. Yeah, or? like he's always been a an alien to Earth, but you know he fits in. He's a good-looking, basically what appears to be a cis white hetero man. So you know he fits in really well, and he's a you know he's a superhero. So he you know he's always been portrayed as almost like a god. Where in Man of Steel he is an outsider, and he doesn't like people don't trust him. Just like you know in this country we 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 have a, a fear of the unknown. We have that xenophobia. But I don't. But with that being said, you know, scowling Superman doesn't work for me. A big bright blue and red and yellow outfit doesn't doesn't scream morose. It doesn't scream moody. It doesn't seem it scream anything but, you know, the boy super boy scout, like the like a guy who does things the for the right reasons. He always tries to do the right thing because that's how he was raised. Like that's what makes Superman, you know, it what makes Superman relatable is what makes Superman cool. And that's the thing is for a long time, Superman was very uncool to people because he wasn't Wolverine. He wasn't the Punisher. He wasn't edgy, but that's like a very immature way of like looking at it. And the idea of like Superman is who not because of his superpowers, ideally we, we should all idolize Superman because of who he is as a person, because of who, like all of the ethics and morals that he, and he lives by. So um, I always wanted, that's the thing is that's why I like, I like that. I always want Superman to sort of always be, you know, you can make him human. You can make him a little bit more like, you know, um, not as perfect. You can make him have more um, imperfections, but I think the core of the character still has to be the big blue boy scout. So James, you said something that that reminded me of something I saw earlier this week, and it was a video about Steve Ditko. And one of the things that talked about Steve Ditko was that he was an Anne Ryan disciple. Right, and and that kind of Ryan uh, and Ryan philosophy. One of the things that the video also said, uh, this YouTube clip really was that Zack Snyder, you know, is also maybe a disciple of uh, of Ayn Rand. And when I, I didn't think about that, but I think that gives a lot of uh, that makes a lot more sense when you watch a movie about Man of Steel. And kind of going back to your point and what Russell Hazard talked about is that uh, if. Ayn Rand becomes some, you know, Superman becomes more like the question or Mr. A and just thinking like there's just black and white and I don't need to do anything for anyone else. You know, I I should only look into my own happiness and my own kind of uh, my own. I would not even say selfish because I don't think they consider it selfishness, but just it's what I consider. That's all that matters. Right. And so once you start kind of painting Superman in that brush. I think that's why you get something that's just a little jarring. Now, if this was somebody that was a demagogue, if this was somebody that was, again, uh, the question or Rorschach, it's like, okay, that makes kind of sense, even though there's personally, I feel like they're kind of shitty. And yes. like, I don't really, I don't find it fascinating, you know, uh, a character, but understanding that philosophy behind it, that's what went into this iteration of Superman in the whole, uh, the whole Snyder universe. I think it really opened my eyes and I don't know the validity to it. I've not read anything that Zack Snyder's put out about his like personal politics or philosophy, but I think it gave me a little more insight to like, Oh, this is why everyone's in a bad mood and it's really like grim and black and white and humorless. Uh, you know, one of the things about Superman's backstory, Superman's origin is that he is a small town guy and, you know, small town values uh, stereotypically are, are, you know, 
good values. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can say like, oh, you know, some of these small towns are narrow-minded and all that stuff. But usually we, we try to play up uh, values of just people helping other people, you know, people watching out for each other. Uh, and that's what I think Smallville is all about. And I think that's why uh, Superman comes from a small town. And let's say he didn't land in Brooklyn, you know, or... Uh, like one of Adam's favorites, he didn't land in the Soviet Union, Superman Red Sun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that uh, him growing up in Smallville shorthand to say, like, you know, he has, he's been instilled with good values by good people. And that's why he's someone who is, uh, who wants to serve, who wants to help others. And that, you know, he he's someone who has been, um, that people didn't ostracize. They saw him as part of the community, part of them. And I think that's what Zack Snyder gets totally wrong because he brings his own, uh, I don't know, his own grief, his own uh, warped sense of what an identity is and, and tries to, uh, you know, put, uh, put all that in, into Superman. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Uh, and I think that's why he... Uh, he shouldn't do Superman ever again. I think <laughs> that uh, basically he uh, he should turn in his uh, writing implements, his computer, and told never touch another Superman script. I still say to this day the um, Superman when Superman puts the uh, the eighteen wheeler into the trees has to be for multiple reasons. The sing single dumbest sequence in superhero movie history. First off, the mechanics. You nobody's gonna <laughs> hear a, a eighteen wheeler being put into the trees. That's not gonna get attention. That's number one. Number two, I get Superman still a human being, but that's the most petty thing I've ever heard. Like, jeez. Anyway, he could have just skied yeah. the man's car like a like a normal person. Yeah, or he could have just stood up like you know, like Richard Donner did that really well, where it's like, um, you know, basically, uh you know, be a man and confront him without, like, you know, uh, well, I guess, I mean... Property damage. Well, that's there's actually a, pretty, pretty petty, too, actually. Superman now, too. Is that Dick Donner or is that Dick Luster that had him, like, where he's he's throwing yeah. that guy through the whole thing and he's got, like, all the food on him or... And he, and he lands in the uh, pinball machine, yeah. I think that was uh, added. I don't think that was Donner. That, that seems like a Dick Luster move. Now, James, let's hear your pitch. I want to hear your pitch roll, Superman. So... You know, Adam, when you pose this to me, I mean, a lot of things you first think about is, well, what are some, you know, first off, I, I, I looked at the, the, the state of Superman in film. Like, what have they already done? What has worked? What hasn't worked? What haven't they even tried? You know, and then you start thinking, well, there are some great Superman stories that haven't been you know, translator told you have Superman Red Sun. You have uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. You have yeah. all these great sources that you could translate into film um but i didn't do that adam i did oh. not do that in fact my superman movie isn't a superman movie my superman movie is superboy and the legion of superheroes oh so, so Ooh, i like that so first off i want zach efron to play superboy yes okay. i said that right uh i'm on board zach efron the thing is uh I think Zach Efron is one movie away from being really having a real standout. And I mean, the kid looks like a superhero, um, good looking kid, you know, he's Jack, but he's not too big. He's still a relatively smaller guy, 
and a very young looking guy, even though like he's probably at this point 28, he could still play like, you know, a younger, you know, maybe 20, 19, 20, 22 year old. But first thing I'm going to do with it is I'm going to make the timeline very ambiguous. Um, I'm going to make things kind of retro futuristic. Um, one, one thing I think that works about Superman is the fact that he's rooted in these post-war kind of ideals in this post-war setting. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Pixar movie, The Incredibles. Yes, uh, I, oh, yes, sir. But of course you have. But one thing I, I loved about that is the design aspect and how they used all this mid-century uh, modern design to sort of create this kind of retro futuristic feel. And I would kind of, you know, first of all, let me also say uh, this movie, I, I don't care if this movie's popular because I could give a shit what other people like. This movie's solely for me. I'm making yeah, this really? movie for an audience of one. But so first off, it's, it's basically the story of the movie would open up and you have Superman or Superboy, excuse me, fighting uh, somebody like the toy man or the prankster, a very fun supervillain that hasn't been used on the big screen yet. No Lex Luthor, um, definitely no doomsday, um, but he's fighting this supervillain and uh, through a series of events, the Legion of Superheroes show up and basically sort of tell the uh, modernized version of the origin of the Legion of Superheroes, the origin of Superboy meeting the Legion of Superheroes. And then from that point, you know, uh, you really get to see first off, because I don't want anything to do with like, you know, there's no multiverse, like there's no like, or, you know, it's not setting up the Justice League. That was my biggest thing is no more Justice League. Like, but I think the way Superman really works, the, the things that have been great about uh, the newer Superman movies that the Donner films really didn't do that well. Even Superman two um, was the action. Like right. there's some great, don't, this is nothing. I mean, the Donner films got so much right. Um, but you know, Superman feels epic. But one thing that I love about Superman is that fifties sci-fi edge, which is the Legion of superheroes would work so perfectly. And, and you get to see this, this world where, uh, Superboy can sort of like really let loose, cut loose, and he gets to experience like, uh, you know, the fun of being a young superhero with other young superheroes. And, um, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's uh, trying to woo Lori Lamar. That's right. Not, not even Lana Lang in this movie. We're going straight Lori, Lori Lamar. Good the, God. The straight up mermaid girl. Um, <laughs> and that would, and that sort of sums up. I want the movie to be fun. I want it to feel like a Christopher Columbus movie. I want it to feel like maybe an, even an early Spielberg movie. I want it to have that grandeur and that like kind of wholesomeness, but then a more modern sort of like um, maybe a little bit like uh, have a little bit of a satirical edge. Maybe um, you can maybe address kind of the, the failings of modern superhero stuff, but also I just want to see Superman and, and I want to see, the OG Legion of Superhero team fighting supervillains in space. And you can have more Drew, you can have the Fatal Five, I don't, the Time Trapper. I don't even care who the supervillain is because I think you can really plug and plot any of those. In fact, maybe you could even set up, uh, you know, even make allusions to Darkseid and actually put Darkseid in a movie. Um, but I, I mean, fourth world stuff is that's a whole other basket. But, but, um, but yeah, like have Super Superboy learning to be a young superhero with you know, uh, lightning lad and Saturn girl and have him be a, you know, like make some friends his own age. 
Um, and then you can have some other like, young personalities in it. And I think it would be fun. And I think the biggest thing is, I think it would finally appeal to um, maybe people are, who both love the character, but maybe aren't a fan of the the, the Zack Snyderverse characters. Um, and certainly I'm one of those people. And I think, uh, and I think young, I think it would be good for kids. Basically, even though you know me, Adam, as you know, as I rock my Alex Ross Captain Marvel Shazam tattoo, I wasn't a huge fan of the Captain Marvel Shazam movie, but I do like what it was going for, and I liked that right. what it got right. I thought it got right pretty well, and even though the tone was a little uneven, I think that that tone of like. This movie's for families. It's it's for younger kids, but there's definitely an edge to it, or there's definitely an appeal for people who are maybe jaded comic book fans. Um, and that's really what I want. I want it to be epic and grand and fun. Um, and again, maybe see a Superman that isn't perfect, who's still learning, who still maybe makes some mistakes, who's you know maybe his head is still you know uh, he's still trying to get girls and yeah, you know I'm saying like uh, and again, it's something we've never seen. Like I again, I thought like well. You know, do I want to include, you know, Jimmy Olsen and Perry White? And, you know, we've done that. I mean, the 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 the, the Donner films nailed that. Um, the Zack Snyder movies turned Jimmy Olsen into a uh, FBI agent or CIA agent who gets killed. Way yeah. to go, Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's why I wanted to do something different. And I just happen to be a giant fan of the Legion of Superheroes. They have so many great characters. And you really open up a whole... And also, this is my other thinking, We if, if it's popular... Then we get a whole offshoot, a Legion of Superheroes movie, and you can introduce more characters like Timberwolf and all these other characters I love. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my Superman movie. It's a Superboy movie. I like it. You know, when you're talking about tone, one of the the films that I've had a lot of fun watching was like Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Yes, and that kind of where they're having a little more fun. It's it's obviously aimed for kids and it's cheeky, but. There are so many references in the background, and there's so many jokes that, obviously, uh, if you're an adult or more uh, esteemed comic book reader, you get, and you're like, oh, that's pretty clever. And I like, again, it was having fun. One of the, the joys of those shows and, and the uh, movie is that, oh, it's having fun, but it can also introduce and wink at you, just another Kurt Swan wink. But yeah, I think that'd be very interesting. We haven't seen it before, and again you could do a sideways entrance into the Legion of Superheroes world that really hasn't been tapped at all for any kind of movie or even cartoon I can think of. Yeah, I think that, uh, I, I, you know, I think I'm going to green light the project only because of merchandising, merchandising rights. I mean, I can go right. to McDonald's, I can sell them uh, figurines of uh, Saturn Girl, Elastilad, a Flatulent Boy, uh, all those Legion of Superhero characters that uh, are so endearing. Uh, I may have gotten some of the names wrong, but uh, I can see them uh, selling to the kids like hotcakes. You know, the kids. We got to think about them. Exactly. Matter the matter eater lad toys yeah. gonna go bananas and bouncing boy. Um, so bouncing I do, boy, yeah. Right, the kid that can turn into basically is like uh, that's a whole. I was almost gonna reference this character Herbie, who was, anyways. But yeah, he could turn into a big bouncing balloon. That was his whole power. Um, he just. <laughs> filled up with air um but he was a cool character that's the thing about the legion of superheroes they always had some goofy characters but they really made it work but i will say i was watching re-watching uh the boys the amazon series right uh and the actress the actress who plays uh starlight in it uh i think she would be a perfect saturn girl um i think she would yeah. be yeah 
she has the exact, I mean, the look nailed. Um, I think she's great in it. Um, and like I said, she's probably mid or late twenties at this point, but I think she could play younger. Um, and I think her and Zac Efron would have uh, some cool chemistry online. And then again, there's that, you know, you get that love triangle between her and cosmic boy. And, you know, you know, I think it would, I think it would work, but, um, but yeah, that's my movie. I know. I really, I like it. I think it's, it's a, again, opening up that aspect of being a little more fun and again, the fantastic aspect. That's something I think the DC movies miss it a little bit is, you know, that aspect of uh, future and space and uh, a whole kind of wide range, a whole palette that uh, we could, we could use and see in a movie that would be a lot of fun. Again, I think Marvel does that pretty well with something like Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, where you can allow those characters to kind of dwell there in space and have a little more fun, but also maybe like, you know, be almost back to the future too, kind of like, okay, here's the future, but it's also somewhat in the past. And it's kind of that nice uh, joining there. Well, I, I will say too, my, um, you know, um, you know, uh, people don't like there's a lot of fans out there who uh we've discussed who who think somehow being edgy or dark is intelligent when it's that they're not they're almost mutually exclusive sometimes sometimes the most like you know uh the darkest stories are sometimes the most immature but um but the thing is if you're going to do a superman the thing that made the marvel films so successful is that they were very fun Superhero movies can be fun. I know that's a crazy concept, uh, but they can have they can be fun. And I think uh, Superman is a character that is just inherently. I think again, the single best modern Superman stories were those Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly All Star Superman uh, stories. It got the root character to the root of what made him interesting, which is these cr- huge concepts, these big scientific concepts, and you know the fact of how insane how insanely powerful Superman is and like how much fun you can have with that concept and stuff. And I think again, rooting it in that, like that grandeur of who Superman is and the amount of fun that you can have in that world rather than being like, and again, you sort of like, Oh, well how can like Lex Luthor beat Superman? Well, it's not about always about fisticuffs. Sometimes it's about, you know, Superman has to fight, you know, a black hole or Superman has to fight, you know, uses his mind. And that's the one thing in those 50s Supermans, the 50s and 60s Supermans is most of the time he wasn't beating things with his muscles. He was sort of like doing these Herculean tasks throughout the story. But ultimately how he won the fight was through his brains. I mean, that's every Mr. Mitzelplick story is just about him trying to outwit Mr. Mitzelplick. 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 Um, however you pronounce that. Don't say it backwards or else you're going to go back to the fourth dimension. Exactly. With the rest of the imps. Anyways, but yeah, I just had to say that. Oh, you know what? When you said that, I also thought of another story that hasn't been done and I think would be tremendous for uh, as a film would be Superman versus the Elite. I think that would oh, be... Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's funny because that's one of the things... Honestly, um, I was like, you could go like like super dark with it, but try to tell... like Because that's... I mean, that story is probably the single best single Superman story, and then they've tried to use those characters again, and it just doesn't work. But that first one of Superman versus the Elite, which is so, what this point of the story is so perfect, which is like you can be as is like grim and gritty as you want, but you're not going to beat Superman. So I love that. It was a great story. That would make a really good. That actually would make a really good movie. Yeah, I think you could you could stretch out the middle part, you know, where the elite show up, and everyone's like, oh, slowly, like. Uh, national opinion changes on the elite and you know Superman 
you know, who's uh, yesterday's news and him just kind of being like bristling a little bit. And they're like, oh, we're real edgy, right? This is Manchester Black. And I'm going over here, right? And I've got these powers that you've not even seen in you little red knickers. And like, uh, you know, it'd be... Now I want to see who could be like a good Manchester Black. Any chance for Adam to break out his... Uh, uh, his Cockney uh, accent. His Cockney yeah. <laughs> accent. accent. Oh, yeah. Maybe we could get like Liam Gallagher. Can he act? He's got some sort of I, acting chops. I don't know. I mean, Maybe. I think... Uh, I mean, there's time. I mean, the thing is, there, it's not like there's a shortage of British actors. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, gentlemen, I think we've had a fun time here uh, pitching our movie. Again, if you are a powerful Hollywood executive, non lizard person, please hit us up here at the Satellite Ears. Uh, and we will have to trademark all of these stories because if something like this uh, actually does make it to, uh, to any kind of. Uh, film, intellectual property, we should get a little cut of it, I would say. But, uh, no, I had a lot of fun today. Russell Hazard, what did you think? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I I was uh, surprised that we all had different ideas for Superman. Uh, we didn't talk in advance about this, and so I was, I was pleased to see that we all had a different take, and they're all movies I want to see. I, I, would, I would pay good money to see any of these three movies. All right, let's make let's let, let make them all make them a, make a trilogy. Yeah, we'll really turn it around now, uh, James. How did you do? Did you have a good time here? I had a great time. Let me just uh, uh, say for the record that I do like Superman for all seasons, and I do like Batman Long Halloween. Uh, Jeff Loeb works when he's in uh, that capacity where he's telling these sort of. Uh, non-continuity uh, stories uh but everything mm-hmm. he's ever written for marvel has been utter garbage so um i'm just putting that out there and the red hulk is the most annoying character modern character <laughs> in comic history. if i never have to see that character ever again i would be a happy camper I anyway, think that's, all, that's all i have to say i was gonna say i think i saw red hulk there was like the avengers versus x-men and the x-men somehow yeah. like five of them got the power of the phoenix force that's and right. so, like I the Red Hulk, that this week, the Red Hulk wasn't enough, so they had to go to the legitimate Green Hulk out in like the desert or like the American Southwest. And it was like, yeah, I'll help you find the the real Hulk. And I thought, like, what a cheesy kind of thing of like, you know, I know I'm not good enough. I'll I'll get the real guy. I know where he lives. Well, the thing is, because you know, it, like when Jeff Lowe broke the Red Hulk, like he's basically better at everything than the regular Hulk. And I'm like, I get out of here. And then Madry gets the hotter he gets, so like he's. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Satellite Ears. Uh, if you want to find any of us, I know I'm on Twitter under Adam underscore Danger with three R's. If you care to follow, let us know what you think. Uh, Russell Hazard had a good idea of maybe setting up a Gmail account that we can we can float on here. So if you ever, you know, if any of our fans want to leave us any feedback pleasant feedback you know, we'd love to have it uh, maybe we'll get one set up in the future but with that ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for your time thank you so much for allowing us into your ears uh this morning noon or night that you're listening to us and uh true believers stick around for more fun 